Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? It is your friendly neighborhood knucklehead, and it is the Part-Time Artist Podcast. This is episode 159, man. So grateful to be here. All these episodes later, wow. Um, anyway, thanks for tuning in. Uh, there's a couple things I want to mention before I get the show started. I have a really cool show today. Um, number one, obviously, is going to be Bandcamp. This month, there is no Bandcamp Friday, and I am recording it on a Friday that would be Bandcamp Friday, first Friday of June. They are not doing Bandcamp Friday in June. Instead, they are doing a Juneteenth fundraiser for the NAACP Legal Fund. So load up your Bandcamp carts and be sure to purchase on Juneteenth, which is June 19th. I believe it's a Monday this year. And um, that way everybody can get you know, helped out and uh, Bandcamp. I don't think they match the fees. I think they just take all their fees and donate it straight away. So it's really cool uh, the kinds of stuff that they're still doing to support other causes besides their own. Um, next couple things I want to say is I started to embrace promoting services and things on the podcast. I've been kind of opposed to advertisements and things of that nature for a long time, just trying to keep it, you know, uh, all about the creative stuff. But if you have some sort of service out there that you feel like would be cool to get the word out on the podcast, uh, you can email me at parttimeartistpodcast at gmail.com if it's something related to DIY artists. Like, I'm really trying to do things that are going to directly impact the people that listen to the show. And speaking of which, um, aside from Bandcamp, I know like everybody else knows that we still need to have our music on streaming services to be accessible. So one of the first uh, partnerships affiliates that I have is with DistroKid. And DistroKid is what I use to get my music on all the platforms. And I'm going to have a link in the bio, which is where you can get 7% off of DistroKid. And that would be a cool way to support me and the podcast. I have another couple links up there, affiliate links up there. If you're a listener to podcasts, chances are you'll probably be a listener to audiobooks. So I have a link for uh, a free Audible trial with Amazon and also a free month trial with Amazon Prime. And Amazon Prime is cool if you're like me and you're on food stamps or whatever. They have uh, a whole bunch of re reduced rates for those of us that are on SNAP and Medicaid and things like that. So uh, just a few things to help support the show and hopefully they'll be in alignment for you guys and the audience as well. That being said, let's get into the episode here. I have with me a very, very talented and multifaceted creator artist that I'm very excited to talk to, and her name is Jada Crawford. Now, Jada, thank you so much for coming on the show, and are you a born and raised New Yorker, or are you just living there right now? Um, born and raised in New York City, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tried and true New York. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so now, Jada, before we like get started into the nitty gritty of everything, I just want to give maybe people a chance. Like, what's just one thing right off the bat you think people should know about you? Um, 
unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Excellent. Yes. I love that too, because, um, I think like that also falls in line with like looks can be deceiving. Don't judge a book, a book by its cover. You know, all of those like kind of deeper things that imply, you know, inquisitiveness and real deeper understandings of one another. Um, do you consider yourself a part-time artist? I consider myself a full-time artist. Full-time, always uh, doing something. <laughs> Now, yeah. Jada, let's. Um, can you give everybody and me? I've done a little bit of digging on you. I I do my best Nardwar impression with everybody, but can you give everybody like an elevator pitch history of you becoming an artist? Like maybe some pivotal moments in your journey that you'd like to highlight for everybody out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I am first generation. My family's from Trinidad. I'm also a citizen of Trinidad. And um, so I grew up on reggae, calypso, soca, that kind of stuff. And I always grew up with um, my entire family um, singing or yelling at the top of their lungs um, this kind of music. And so I did similarly, except as you can see, I have like very quiet, mellow voice. I did not do much yelling. I did maybe quiet singing. Right. Um, so that's kind of like where it started. You know, I, I was getting hyped up by my family and they're like, oh, Jada, you can sing. And oh. maybe I could have that. That's kind of debatable. I think they were just incredibly supportive. But mm -hmm. I kind of took that with me into like growing up. So I always did it no matter how good or bad I thought I was. Um, and then I went to high school for singing. So uh, I like I went to an arts high school, LaGuardia, that oh, thing. Oh, LaGuardia kid. Jealous. Yeah. They turned me away, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I like, yeah, I, I went there and around that time is when I started songwriting because um, there, by that time, like when I was in middle school, that's when I really got into like rock and metal and stuff like that. Yeah. Because before like i heard it but i didn't really know what it was like that um yeah and so like i started playing guitar more often because of this newfound liking of this music bass um and on one day a week they would have like this mentor come in to help you with songwriting so wow. now i was able to like you know, lyrics I poorly wrote as like an 11 year old and like guitar playing, I was barely able to do. I kind of figured out how to put it together. And so I spent um, the years kind of getting better at that. Mm. Um, and then I continued doing singing in college. Uh, I continued doing classical voice, but my major was um, sound recording technology. Sound recording technology. How is that different than audio engineering? It's the same thing, but it's <laughs> like we take an acoustics class, we take physics, oh. we take. Um, oh, it's like more science and like STEM based or something? Yeah, STEM based mm. music maker. Wow, that's awesome. Did you, did they try to streamline you into? 
uh, SUNY purchase. I mean, I, a lot of kids that I know that went to LaGuardia, it was like a pipeline to either SUNY purchase or like Berkeley or whatever, you know? I th- I feel like not me necessarily. I I was mm-hmm. still like a a wee little outcast. <laughs> right. So I, I kind of just like did whatever. I did apply to SUNY Purchase, but it was only, purely because it's like 30 minutes away from the city. Yeah. And I feel like that's the main reason like people know it and it's close to the city. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like a mix of like you can have the city experience if you want to. You can still visit your family, but you're you're also like away by yourself. Right. <laughs> you but can get the best of both worlds potentially. Yeah. Yeah. But I went to um Syracuse University. A lot of LaGuardia wow. kids were there too. Like I went there and I was like, Yeah. I know you. And then we'd never see each other again because it's a huge campus. It's so big, right? And that's really that's really up there, man. Isn't that like winter nine months out of the year? I mean, I was in Oneonta. I lasted one semester. I was like, I can't imagine these kids in Syracuse. They must just be drinking all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, heavy, heavy party school. Yeah. Lots and lots of snow. Um, hard, hard to live your little college hoe fantasy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I don't know. I think it was a vibe because, I mean, I don't know like what the normal kids really do. Like the part, those parties, I went to house shows like every weekend. Okay. So it was like my highlight my of my life. And then when I was like 21, I went to bars too. So it was very, it was chill. Yeah, this the social upstate New York experience, <laughs> which yeah. is it, if you know, you know. <laughs> um, so you did all that and you came back to New York City, and now you're doing your thing as like a solo artist. You got your hands in a bunch of things. Um, but let's talk about these tunes for just a second. Um, you started putting out tunes. Was this? Is this your first attempt at like songwriting or were you doing stuff in other bands or ghostwriting or doing stuff? Because right now you have like two EPs up, right? And are those like your first two like songwriting experiences? Not my first two songwriting experiences, but definitely my first two recording experiences. Uh Um, So that's... Uh, you know why hence like the quality and stuff like that but it's it but like I I still feel like they showcase my growth and everything and it has a mix of songs um so on the first EP uh first EP single um the first two songs I had written in 2019 Mm -hmm. um and then the last song, Waves Part 2, I believe I wrote in my senior year, so 2017-2018. Wow. Yeah, and then on the EP, that it has more of like my heavier stuff, which kind of came like a little bit later. Um, so that was more like 2020-2021. And also, like actually, one thing I think I wrote when I was like 15 or 16. Which oh. was Lapel Speed. Oh wow. Yeah, and we got we got a taste of that back in February when I when I had the radio show. Now, did was this kind of like COVID kind of gave gave you a chance to sort of incubate to put these 
these things out? Um, the first, the single, yes, because um, that year we had all gotten these little Tascam recorders, Tascam field recorders, and oh, wow. that's what I used to record in my bedroom. Wow, um, and in my dorm. Yeah, Wait, and then the it? second Wait, one. What was that thing called? It, it had a microphone on it or something, or was it like a? a yeah, it has the two stereo mics. Right. Wow, those are cool. I mm-hmm. didn't realize Tascam had that. Everyone always does like Zoom stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, Tascam had it, and I actually really like it, and I would like it again, but I had to go back obviously because I graduated. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bummer. I use a Tascam uh tape deck right now as like my makeshift pa system but it's really rad i can't wait to start making tapes because apparently we make tapes now which is awesome Mm -hmm. um but let's get into this tune that was not only on your first ep but you resurrected it on the second ep but a demo version which normally people would put the demo on the first EP and then polish it off on the second one. What was the process between like, all right, I put the song on my first EP and now I want to put a demo version on the second one. That song is just like super important to me. And Mm -hmm. the purpose of like this album was to be like my heavier song. That song can be done both acoustic and heavy. And I made a demo because I, unfortunately, before I graduated, I, like, the drum tracks from that day just vanished on, like, two two songs that we recorded. It could have been, like, where it was saved to, but right. I, I we just don't understand what happened to it. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, so there so were drums on that originally... But you yeah. were just like, screw it. Let's just put it out without it. Yeah. Wow. Because I can't do anything. So, and it still sounds good because like, I have drums before. It's going to sound fine without drums now. But like, you can't hear how like heavy it is without like, you know. Yeah. The- wow. That is actually incredible. The perfectionist in me would have been livid with a situation like that. But that does really make it so much more interesting because the lack of drums, like it sort of invites you to listen closer, you know, because you're not like reactive or defensive from like cymbal crashes or whatever. The It really did draw me in. And that's why I was like, wow, this is such a cool song to kick off this show. And with that, let's kick off the show. This is the demo of dreams from the latest ep which is called suffering is not romantic check it out
right, so that tune was called Dreams, and now I gotta, let's talk about this EP a little bit, because when this initially got put on my radar back in February when I was doing uh, the radio show and stuff like that, the first thing I noticed and the first thing that hit me when I opened this uh, Bandcamp page, which is jadamusic.bandcamp.com, everybody, um, suffering is not romantic. Wow. That title immediately hit me. Like that has to have an impact on you if you've been in these kinds of places. So if you can, where does this title come from for you? Um, so I would like to credit co-star for having that pop up on my phone wow. and i was just like yes this is this correct and i am going to i'm taking this and i'm using this forever and ever because this is so true and then i was like wait this is like the best title ever so yeah. you know it just it was chance and i am so grateful for that for it <laughs> I think this is also just like, it's one of those things that I don't know if it's an American thing, if it's a childhood conditioning thing, or if it's just like an upbringing thing, but this is something that I think all of us learn one way or another, because there's so much we have to endure. Everybody goes through traumatic experiences growing up. And somehow a lot of us turn into codependent types, anxious types, avoidant types. Like we start learning about these things and then we realize that not only do we put ourselves in situations where we feel like we're suffering for another person's happiness, but also we realize that like sometimes we put ourselves through a great deal of suffering because we feel like we need to earn things like nothing. We're not worthy of things unless we, you know, white knuckle or bleed into something. And when we do that, we like, we get to a point where we realize like, why am I doing it like this? Why am I putting yeah. myself through this? So there, there's so much in that, um, in that, in those four words you know, that can just inspire a whole journey, I feel like. So I do feel like, yeah, this is, it's probably one of the best titles I think I've ever seen on an EP. Like, not just to, you know, shower you with compliments, but I think you even agree, like, when you heard this thing, you were like, wow, this is profound. <laughs> yeah, and it, and I felt like it definitely emulates what basically all of my music is about, yeah. I feel like. Because, um, I mean, the reason I started writing was because all of these songs on the radio was like, I, I preferred sad songs because I thought they were prettier, mm. but um, they were about love. And I was just like, I don't know anything about that. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so I was just like, how I want the music to sound like and the words to be like how I feel to a T. Like, I, I feel like I'm being sat on by an elephant or the weight of the world or the oh, weight of my wow. problem. Like I want my music to make other people feel that way. Mm. Um, or at least communicate that to other people. And I, especially because like spent a whole 
lot of my life feeling like I was suffering. And I even, I, I remember one time when I first started one of those in-school therapy counseling sessions in school. Right. Yeah. Where I was like, I'm a musician, I'm supposed to be depressed. And then they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> Actually, because you're yeah. fed all these concepts, like in media, yes. subconscious, and then like permeates in how you communicate and how you act. Mm. So, and then also, even like now on on TikTok, where it's like, you know, the suffering e-boy or e-girl, dramatic, manic pixie dream girl, like it's been around since before TikTok, where it's like, oh, this was what people wanted. This is what people desire. Like, mm. this is great. And it's, and as you, you know, um, become an adult, you realize, um, no, <laughs> that is incorrect. This is not healthy. This is not good. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a lot of I th- I think there's a lot of imagery when it comes to this kind of stuff, and I I feel like um so what I'm gathering from you is like this this res this release was primarily designed as your vulnerable like um cathartic release of emotion and expression, like you just really wanted to get the most authentic you know version of these tunes out there and i think a lot of people when they even when they when they have that connection with people sometimes they can feel the connection but they're so surface level that they can get caught up with the image right so if i'm if i'm really like feeling the connection with my chemical romance and it's like oh my god what can i do to showcase my connection with them well i guess i'll start you know, dressing like them or I'll start doing, you know, stuff like that. And I think when when you were talking about middle school, I think middle school is such a pivotal moment for for everybody. And 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 again, going back to this notion of suffering is not romantic. I think so many people are doing the most suffering in middle school. It's pretty brutal. Um and with this expression, I have to say, um my one of my favorite if not my favorite part about these tunes is being able to see the lyrics on Bandcamp and really get down to the nitty-gritty of what it is you're trying to express here and i have to say a lot of these lyrics are they read like poetry in their own way like take the music away and just look at these lyrics and the way that they're structured it really does have the 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 visual and the the connection of like actual poetry was that kind of your process with lyric writing did you write these things as poems and then put music to them or is this just kind of you you feeling out the process in your own way when i started writing music i tried to do like the poem to music thing Mm -hmm. but when i separate it it makes it harder to put together okay so Ever since then, like, I just, I noodle on guitar, and then I say the first thing that comes to my head, like, of the first few lines, and then I just write, like, I just write the song based on those lines, and I fit the music to what I just did. Mm. So it's like I write the chorus first, and then I write everything else around it, or I write a verse first, and I just put all the words I want to say and I'm just like, ah, oh, okay. 
Yeah, this should have a change here. Like, how can I make this a chorus? Wow. Yeah. Because even like when I look at like individual lines here, like the kind of language you use, like even just taking one of these, uh, like in the in the next song we're we're gonna listen to, which is in the midst, you have one line where it just says, "Her mom kissed her goodnight," right? And even just like that on its own can give someone a visual. You know what I mean? And I think that that's probably my favorite part of listening to these tunes. And this is why I advocate so heavily for people to post their lyrics for like the nerds like me that will actually go there and read them and listen to it. People, some, Most people are like, ah, I'm not going to put it on there. Nobody's going to read it, blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, but the people that will, they will really resonate with it. And that that was what really opened the door for me to these tunes honestly it was it's like the classic like the the title like i was just like holy shit this is awesome i can't wait to see what this is about and then just deep diving into it i was just like wow like it was like layer by layer how these things unfolded and what i thought was really cool was the fact that you, you have all this stuff and, and it says your influences are nirvana and corn <laughs> Is that how does Nirvana and Corn turn into this kind of stuff? Is it just because like Kurt is one of those stream of consciousness, anything goes types of lyricists? Is that is that the where you draw the influence from? <laughs> uh, so it's more so like I I listen to these artists and I try and my desire is how can I be like them but be myself wow so it's like i love like with the grunge and stuff like that where it it seems like stream of consciousness but i i can't say like things because if i try to emulate that it would feel like nonsense to me so i'm like how can i be super poetic like as myself but people attribute it attribute my music mostly to like deftones i like oh. to attribute in the midst specifically to like dinosaur jr just because i structure it um mm. like you know the song middle solo ending of the yes. song yeah yeah, yeah. Out solo right wow so with that let's get into this tune this tune is um it's the second track on this ep um and it's called in the midst of my mist check it out Feel 
All right, that tune was called In the Midst of My Mist, and it is jadamusic.bandcamp.com. Now, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, you are so a solo artist, a songwriter. You're doing a whole bunch of stuff on social media and uh, also a makeup artist, right? Something on the side. Um, where, like... <laughs> How do you find the energy and time and, and how do you feel about the balance and the work that goes with kind of being your own boss and having to do these kinds of tedious but maybe fun things? I mean, how do you feel about the music business as you're navigating it right now? Um, musically, I I'm more or less enjoying it. However, I feel like it's really weird coming, you know, from doing some music stuff in Syracuse, but like going to sh like all the DIY shows and stuff in Syracuse versus coming to any kind of show in New York City. Mm -hmm. Because because uh, um, audiences don't come for like the love of the space or if they have nothing else to do. Um, they come for an artist specifically or like to support their friend. They don't really right. um, stay the whole time because there's just so much to do and like and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like it's a different environment where you kind of, you know, you got to fight your way up and stuff. Um, it's kind of like you get what you get with people in New York, you know, like, yeah. Like they they might come when they tell you they're gonna come, and even if they do come, they might see fifteen minutes of it, or they might be there but not be paying attention. Like it's like the the presence is a gift of anybody. Whereas like when you go on the road and stuff, people are like, dude, there's someone from New York City playing in the basement tonight. You know, it's a little bit more of a bigger deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a different mindset that I had to kind of put myself in. Right. And um, so that's something we're kind of shifting. But also, yeah, I, I do do like a, a lot of things and it is it's pretty overwhelming. It's kind of mm -hmm. just like when when I have the urge to do it. But I've what I'm trying to work on with myself is creating better habits and how to create a schedule to not feel too overwhelmed yeah but if i don't have any projects i will sit and waste away <laughs> yeah yeah it's almost like sometimes like i i like to talk about having things in terms of like seasons you know because we even as like musicians there's like the writing process season then the recording then the you know setting up the the live show and so it's always like there's a different 
energy going on. How do you feel about like the the social media stuff? Because I was actually just on a walk today, and I was thinking about how different it is for artists and creative people today, and how in the past there was so much mystery involved with artists and bands. Like sometimes you didn't know what they looked like. Um, I, I was I was watching like some clips of like uh, how Basquiat was getting popular and Keith Haring and like those those street artists and like nobody knew who they were and and things like that and how today it's just so polar opposite where it almost feels like you have to market yourself and like the music is kind of separate because there's this weird internet gatekeeping towards artists just getting popular based on their art like it it feels like it's harder now than ever and even when the social media platforms notice that you're like trying to promote certain art they're gonna be like ah we're not gonna let people see this unless you pay for an ad or something like that so how do you feel about like content creating and having that be a part of your identity as an artist um, I don't mind it too much because I do like the makeup and clothing thing as well. Right. But for my music, it feels more difficult because I don't know how like something really sad, if it's not super virtuosic, can blow up in any way, shape or form. Right. And, you know, that could just be like a insecurity like if there's a will there's a way but um Mm -hmm. you know i i don't think so so it feels kind of um it feels kind of strange but it's not different than something i wouldn't feel in real life with with my music already especially because i play with like um like if i play in predominantly like black shows everyone is like hip-hop and and r&b and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then i and then i play me and my acoustic guitar yeah um but everyone seems to love it regardless so that's why i'm kind of like it could just be a mental block but right. it's kind of but statistically though yeah what's going to be pushed in the algorithm more and more is kind of more fun superficial yeah. type stuff yeah, it's it's really just such a such a lottery with it. But like you said, I mean, there's more to you than meets the eye, right? Expect the unexpected. <laughs> but I've definitely noticed, like, I think post-COVID shows have been a little bit more supportive towards artists. So when you do make the connection, I think the connections are stronger. It just feels like it's so much so much harder to make that connection these days. Um, what, so, and, and speaking of that, we have some shows for you coming up, right? Are you coming, are you coming down here? Are you coming to Philly? Yes, I am. Next Friday. (laughs) Oh man. I got my calendar marked June 16th. Yep. Um, the garden Philly DIY space. I love how I'm super excited. This is going to be my first, not my first house show, but like my first house show out of state you should yeah. i should say well this is the so, place to do it man philly house shows are literally like we philly house shows have their own instagram account you know what i mean like there is a really? network yes 
there is like a network. There's like at least two house shows probably or house venues in like every neighborhood in this city. It's pretty it's pretty wild. So um awesome. Really looking forward to that. And um what about what about and beyond? What what about the future here? Are we writing more tunes? Are we putting shows together? Are we uh, working on music videos maybe? Yeah, so right now I'm trying to uh, raise money to f- um, fund two music videos. They're going to be kind of almost mm-hmm. short film-esque for the Forgotten and Dreams. So it's going to be like a two-part thing since I tend to do both of those songs together. Um, and then I have, you know, plenty of more shows. I'm also trying to work on organizing events and stuff like that more often. But that's kind of, that's like a whole other thing, future plans. Wow. Yeah, that would be great to have you. You can become a community figure. And we're going to have that link in the description, everybody, to uh, for Jada's GoFundMe to help get these music videos in your eyeballs and on, you know, on the webs for you guys to check out. I'm sure the concept is going to be awesome and the idea is there. And also Jada's tunes are jadamusic.bandcamp.com. Um Jada, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um and lastly, I want you to help me introduce this last song because i when i put this song (laughs) i put this song on my show in february and i got all the way to like recording it and then i was just like all right this next song is oh i don't know how to say this (laughs) at all i looked at it so i was like what is going on how many languages do you speak um well (laughs) maybe two other languages right but i am like a real language aficionado so i started learning maybe like nine (laughs) yeah wow excellent so what this one i'm guessing is french yes french all right so can you say it for everybody so we don't sound super ignorant (laughs) it's um and it's the call of the void so i'm like a huge you know daniel howell slash dan is not on fire fan so he talked about it in like one of his videos where it's like, you know, when you're on a balcony and your brain is just like jump. What? <laughs> like it's like intrusive thoughts. Oh, wow. OK, like when you're on the edge of something and it's like, wow, that du- that duality. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, there's also some there's really cool harmonies in here. Uh, so, guys, definitely check out all the links in the podcast description, the Distro Kid, the Audible, the Free Prime, and um, Jada's GoFundMe, Jada's Bandcamp, Jada's Linktree to everything that's going on. Um, I will talk to you guys later. Rip on, everybody. It's so cold. I don't know what to do. It's so anymore Damn
Mmm. -hmm.